I really enjoy when brother says, good morning, pilgrim. Then, you know, how do you reply? Good morning, pilgrim. Wah, ha, ha. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, good morning, Tessie family. I am, good morning, yes. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank God uh, for helping me to stand here today, and thank you for all the people who have prayed for me. As uh, Brother Scott was praying, yes, I was sick. Uh, uh, my stomach flu threw up, and I was feeling feverish and weak, but thank God, this morning I woke up, and uh, I was, felt good. So Grace, Grace was telling me, hey, don't overdo it. You All of a sudden, you know, you may get tired, so take it easy. Uh, so sure. Uh, but uh, thank you for all your prayers, and thank you, Pastor Rich. He was ready to, in case he was not able to do it, and Brother Rico was ready to do it. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, I also want to like, thank Pastor Sean for this opportunity for letting me speak today. Uh, I feel so honored and privileged, and at the same time, unworthy to speak God's word. Uh, uh, but I really thank God for this opportunity. Uh, as I was preparing this sermon, like two or three days back, it came to my attention that Pastor Sean Oz already spoke on this subject before. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay. However, if, if anybody is like me, this will be a good reminder again for us. And uh, I hope uh, that God will speak to us through these words. Uh, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to read the passage. Uh, it's, it's a well-known passage, Exodus chapter 17, verses from 8 to 16. I'm going to read it, and then we go into the, the sermon. Exodus chapter 17, verse from 8 to 16. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary. So they took a, some stone, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and other on other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And the Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from the under heaven. And the Moses built an altar and called the name of the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generations. I just want to say a, a word of prayer before we go into the sermon. Father, we submit ourselves into your hands. As we go in through your word, I ask you that you'll give me the wisdom and the clarity 
and the truth we speak. I submit this into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, when we look at this passage, the wilderness narratives are very fascinating and which has very profound insights that we can learn from. You know, it's, uh, it's very amazing to see how God led the people of Israel, his chosen people, out of Egypt and into the land he promised to them. So here we see in this passage, we understand that God has just brought Israelites from Egypt through the Red, uh, the Red Sea into this land where it's called Rephidium. They were settling there. So we can observe a few things from this passage. First thing we could see that God, the reason God brought Israelites out of the Egypt is to make a nation as he promised to his fathers. Gen in Genesis we see he promised to Abraham and other people that he made a new covenant that he would make a nation of his own people through a chosen people. And we find this God brought, want to establish this nation and make a great nation and to bless and make a covenant with these people that this, this will be called my people, my nation. So God brought this Egyptian from Egypt into this land. And we see that as they came out of Egypt land, we see that Israelites find themselves in a war. You know, we see Amalekites come and attack to destroy this nation. The people are trying, God is trying to build this nation or God's kingdom. You know, if you look at who's Amalekites, if you look at Amalekites a little bit, a footnote, they were a descendant of Esau, a brother of Jacob, uh, who stole the birthright from Jacob. So, you know, sometimes when you, you, sometimes people hold on to grudge, you know, like they're waiting for the time to destroy these people because of the birthright. So we see these Amalekites are waiting for this chance to destroy the God people. So when Amalekites, we see Amalekites come and try to fight afar with these God's people. But it's, it's interesting do you think Israelites were ready to fight the war? I don't think so. They have been in a slaves for 430 years as a slaves in the land of Egypt. Do you think someone comes to fight, do you think they're ready to fight? I don't think so. They have been slaves more than America had its freedom since the declaration. So can you, can you, ima can you imagine, can you make a nation out of slaves? It's no. But we see through these passages, we'll try to see, we'll walk through, we'll try to observe a few things, how God has leading, how God has led his people, and what he has calling, what he promised to his fathers, we would see through these passages. So we see that God is trying to make a nation out of his own people, from these people of Israel. But we see that when God is trying to make a nation or kingdom, we'll see that they find himself in a conflict with the enemy. Whenever God is trying to build a nation, we'll see there's a conflict. We'll see there's an enemy attacking. So in our lives, we, even, we see even in the New Testament, we see when Jesus comes and he begins with saying that the kingdom of God is at hand. Come and repent and believe. And you know we see that God is trying to build a kingdom and as soon as we see that Jesus also fighting demons challenging the people the lifestyle of people are living confronting the sin 
So whenever there is a kingdom of God, we find there's a conflict. We as a people, chosen people, we find ourselves in a battlefield. Our life as a Christians is not a, a playground or walking in a flower bed. Right. It is a, a war. We are in a war with the world, within ourselves, with everyone. So even if you look at the New Testament, epistles, uh, Paul writing to the churches, they're fighting against the false prophets, false teachings. False, how to, you know, uh, it's a, a fighting against in Acts 26, 17 to 18, we see Paul talking about the fighting against the powers of Satan. So we find ourselves over and over again as people of God. When God is trying to build a nation called is my people, my chosen people, my people, we find ourselves fighting with an enemy like Amalekites. Today, uh, so I would like to talk three common fights or battles as a Christian, as a children of God who has been born again, who are called a chosen people of a chosen generation, who are called sons of God, children of God, we find ourselves in a battle in three very common areas. First, we're going to look into the battle with the spiritual forces in the world. And we're going to see, second, we're going to see the battle with the world. We're going to see, and the battle with, uh, with our flesh. So I'm going to look, first we look into the battle with the spiritual realm and spiritual dark forces. So in Ephesians, everybody knows in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of the darkness. Dark world, darkness, against spiritual forces of evil, wickedness, in heavenly realms. These dark forces which we cannot see. So when we talk about spiritual forces, I would put it into two categories. One, first, the external manifestation of spiritual forces, demon possession. People, someone who was possessed with demon. I have, uh, if you look in the New Testament, Jesus have encountered, in the New Testament, we can see in the Gospels, Jesus have encountered at least seven times a possessed, demon-possessed people uh, who are unclean spirit. They call on to him. You know, they fall down and cry. Uh, we see that experiences that the encounter Jesus had seven times. I, my personal experience with the uh, demonic forces is uh, when I was in India, not this time, but a couple of years ago, uh, there was, a, they brought a man who was possessed with a demon. They went to all the doctors and all the witchcrafts, and the witchcraft said, go to the church, take him to the church, prayer. They would, he might get healed. So they bring him to our church, and he, and usually this is not a first time, like every time any, a person is possessed with a demon in India, uh, they bring it to the church and they leave in the church as a family. And they stay there for weeks or a couple of weeks until the, they are full clean of the spirit, the demon possessed. So I remember they brought this person into our church to stay there until the demon, the possession goes away. And I remember encountering my dad asking, sometimes when you do spiritual forces with the demonic possession, sometimes people ask, what's your name? And the demon replies, what's your name is? Why are you here? And he does tell you why it is here. So you have this demon. So it is real. In America and Western world, you don't see that happening a lot. Sometimes I feel like we are too much busy with American dream. Maybe that's a spiritual warfare we have here. <laughs> However, but we, this is true. This is very true. The demons are real. Amen. The uh, spiritual forces are real. People get possessed with demons. And you can see, and I've seen this person, like the, the 
the demonic position comes out anytime. During the nighttime, in the middle of the night, in the morning, screaming, ailing, and speaking. And nobody knows what they're saying. So this is a very uh, true, uh, this, is, this is an external manifestation of demonic. So, so we need to, we are fighting this battle of external, demo, uh, uh, external manifestation of demonic forces. But as a children of God, Satan is very smart. I also understand that demon, sometimes he doesn't fight externally, but he does fight internally. It's the battle with mind. We know in the Garden of Eden, the Satan came in a form of a serpent. I, I always I, I, I try to imagine how would a snake come and speak with mouth? I would freak out if, it, let's see, the snake starts speaking, whoa, what is it? But I believe that he comes in a form of a snake and hiss in the mind of Eve. So he deceived and less led astray the mind of Eve into disobeying, disobeying the commands of God. So he hisses, he comes to our mind internally and messes. He, he speaks to us, you know, that's why in 1 Peter 5, 8, we see that be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversity, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is the battle many of the Christians, we find ourselves. It is the mind that uh, Satan wants to destroy. He's the mind he wants to divert us from the reality, the who we are in children of Christ, who we are, who are born and brought in, um, um, cleansed by the blood of Christ, who we are, call, we are called to be. You know, he was, he, in the mind, he makes us to, to disobeying God. And, you know, we say he lies and he uses guilt. He uses accusations and temptations. You know, we, uh, we see in John 8, 44, everybody knows. Who is the father of lies? It is Satan. He lies. He's not going to come stand to you and just write lies on your face. He lies in your head. You know, he brings negative thoughts about who you are as a person, as a man of God, as a woman of God, or as a husband, as a father, or as a wife, as a parent, and so on. We can see ourselves finding this. You know, stealing the identity of who we are in Christ, who we are as the children of God. So if, you, if, we, if you, we are fighting this, any kind of battle in our minds today, and uh, I want to uh, bring it to you that the God is there. We can find victory in it. So that we, are a battle, a ba we are battling a mind we are internally battling with mind what Satan has do. Uh, one professor, one of the books I read uh, during my seminary on spiritual warfare is from Neil Anderson. He is a uh, professor at Talbot Seminary. And I do, I'm trying to find his book to write down some notes, but I couldn't. But I remember writing this note. And he, this, the note goes this, like this. Just because you are a Christian, don't think that Satan is no longer interested in, in manipulating you to his purpose through his mind. Satan's perpetual aim is to infil infiltrate your thoughts with his thoughts and to promote his lies in the face of God's truth. He knows that if he can control your thoughts, he can control your behavior. And it is very true. 
I have experienced, and many of you, I don't know how you are, where you are in your life. If you are experiencing this, today God is want to tell you, tell you that we're going to have victory over it. So sometimes he, he uses accusation. He makes you feel a false guilty. You know, he makes you feel guilty. There are two types of guilties. There's a false guilty, which is from the devil. But a, guilt, a true guilty is from the Holy Spirit. It's a conviction in a particular area of your life. If you're feeling guilty, if it's a false guilty, remember that it is from Satan. But if it's a true guilty, it is from the Holy Spirit. So I, I just wrote down some few examples how he uses accusation and temptation to divert us. It goes something like this. Why don't you try it? You can get away with it. And turn, turns around and tells you, you'll never get away with it. Sin and sickness, regarding sin and sickness. God doesn't hear you. You're a sinner. You're guilty. You might as well give up on God because God has already given up on you. Why you're praying? I don't think so. God hears you. What's your faith have done to you for many years? Where you have gone? Where have you been? It is all the battle of the mind. If you ever have these thoughts or if you have everything, remember that we are fighting with these spiritual forces, which is battle of the mind. So today, I would like to, uh, we, that's, that's, a, that's the first one. First, we're talking, we're talking about the external manifestation and of the spiritual forces. And second, we're talking about the internal manifestation of evil. Of like, that's why God says, be sober-minded that your adversary devil is prowling like a lion, seeking whom to devour. The second, third one, we are fighting against the world. In the first John chapter 2, 16, we see, for all that in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life. It's not from the father, but it's from the world. And we know who is, owns the world. Who owns the world? You know, Jesus calls uh, in first John 5, 19, we say the apostle John, he writes that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Jesus himself calls the, the Satan the ruler of the world. Paul, in Ephesians, he talks about he's the prince of the air, saying that the world is un under the control of evil. We Christians ourselves find ourselves many times in this battle against the world and its cultures. Its culture, its moral, and its value. We find ourselves fighting against God. The Christian people, especially right now, if you look at the present situation, do you think uh, the world loves God? I don't think so. The present world hate God, especially when you talk about Christianity, especially about Christ. They attack the foundation of Christianity, the scripture and reliability and its truth and its authority. So, the, the, so we find ourselves battling against this world. So, you know, sometimes uh, I've, uh, I've seen people like, you know, some, sometimes people are fine about like, everybody loves Jesus as long as you don't define who he is. They accept him as a good teacher, good person, good prophet. All are happy. Hindus are happy. Muslims are happy. You know, other religions, even sometimes Mormons are happy too. As soon as we step up and talk about the truth of the gospel, what it is meant to be a son of God or God incarnate, the God with us, people will scatter, turn against you, and even become enemy. That's the battle we are facing as a Christian, 
As a child of God, we are not only fighting against the external forces, but the, the dark forces, also we are also fighting against this world, the world which is ruled by the Satan, the ruler, the prince of air, and we find, and we also find that people are, want to do what they want to do. They become the self-owned gods to themselves. That's what the, uh, in the Garden of Eden, uh, that's what the Satan you know, manipulated the mind to be a god of their own. They don't need God. So they're very selfish, ambition, self-centered. In Romans 1, uh, it says that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So we find over and over and again that people have the a world, we are fighting against world, against the world. You know, in, in Jesus says in John 15, 18, 19, he says, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you're not opposed by the world, its cultures, or its morals, or its values, maybe you are in the world, not out of the world. Sadly, many of our churches we see, they are conforming to the world regarding some areas of homosexuality or abortion, transgenderism, or whatever, like profanity. I've seen a lot of Christian people who call themselves children of God, but they still use profanity. And even I, some people I've seen, people who call themselves child of God and get drunk and become fools of themselves. We have seen a lot of Christians who are called themselves Christians but never follow. They're all conformed into the, the worldly tradition, worldly culture, some kind of spirituality, some kind of God, some kind of uh, relationship with some kind of thing, but not really with the truth of the gospel and truth of God's word. So, so that's why Romans 12, we all know the verse, Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve. Test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have to test and approve everything. You know, is it a God's will? Is it a pleasing? Or it is His will, His perfect will. So we as a Christians, we are battling against the world. So we are not fighting against the spiritual forces. We are also fighting against the world. And thirdly, we have a battle against flesh. In Romans chapter 7, we see Paul talking about the flesh. It's very true. Even as the children of God, as Israelites being called the children of God, they have to fight this war. They, they find themselves fighting in this Amalekites. They find themselves fighting with this enemy who coming to destroy them. And as we are looking into the three uh, categories as a common Christians, common people, we fight in a war. The first is spiritual forces, second with the world, and the war, a battle within ourselves, that's the flesh. So in Romans 7, Paul, Paul talks about his, uh, his battle with the flesh. I, we could, when we read these verses, we can see how vulnerable, how true he is. Uh, we, uh, we will see that. Uh, he says in 17, uh, Romans 7, verse 15, we see that, for what I am doing, I do not understand. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. No longer am I am the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, 
that is in my flesh. And he goes on saying that, I'm no longer the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. You know, we see Apostle Paul battling between the new nature and sinful within him. You know, as a people of God, we find ourselves the same battle as Paul. It is very real. It's ongoing. It's internal. It's spiritual. And it is in all believers. For the good I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. So, is anybody can say that there is no sin in me? No, nobody can say, and it's only Jesus can say, there is no sin in, in, in him. So we as a Christian, even child of God, we have a war within ourselves, within the, the spirit of God who lives in us and with our flesh. In a Galatians chapter 15, uh, uh, five, uh, Galatians chapter 5, 17, we see that for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And he goes on in 19, impurity, debauchery, sexual impurity, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition, and pride. I think pride is one of the very much hidden sin. I find myself over and over, and we don't see it often, but everybody, I struggle with a lot of pride, which we don't see it often. We hide it from. So Christian life is a fight for holiness. So we are in a battle fighting for holiness, fighting with our own flesh. So, so uh, in Apostle John, in 1 John 3, 9, he says that no one born of God makes practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. The God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on singing because he has been born of God. So he says that no one born of God practice sinning. You know, he cannot continue to sin. If he continue to singing, sinning, we are under the power of devil. So we have to recognize that. We don't know how long. He didn't say how long you have to continue singing, but it says that if you continue to sin, if you are in practice of sinning, then you are under the power of devil. And he goes on telling little children, it's so comforting, he comes, comes along with them and says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. So we need to practice righteousness. We need to come over this sin. We cannot practice sinning. We cannot because we have a seed abides in him. We have the God who abides in us. We cannot keep on singing. So this is the battle. If whoever, I don't know, if you're in a battle of a flesh, any kind of battle as Galatians chapter 5, 19, we see any of this or whatever the battles you are going through in your life, God is today reminding you we cannot continue to be in that battle. So we looked at the three battles. I'm going to re repeat again. So what are the three common battles as a Christian, as a child of God we face is spiritual forces, a battle with the external forces and battle with our mind. Secondly, we find ourselves battle with the world and its cultures and who we are as a child of God. And we find also battle within ourselves, the flesh. So I don't know what are other battles in your life. You battle with the sickness, battle within your marriage, battle with your children, or battle with your job, or battle with the mental illness. I don't know what are the battles. So we can, today, we're going to bring those battles to God. So we see 
how we can overcome this battle. When we go back, when we look back into this chapter 17, extra chapter and back to the story, we see that Moses in verse 11, how they win these battles. It's very, everybody knows the answer. The battle is, let's look at the verse 11. Whenever Moses held up his hand, the Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalekites prevailed. Moses held up his hand. Hand is a posture of praying. Lifting it up on a hill and crying out to the Lord. Praying for the victory. Praying that God will show mercy. The praying that he will have victory. Pleading for the victory for this battle. So as a Moses... Where are we are? What are the battles we are going through? We can come and pray. Let's lift up our hands and pray to Lord for the victory. Pleading, interceding. And beautiful thing about this passage, I see that Aaron was not alone praying. We see two other people came along. Who is that? Aaron and her. And when I heard the name her, I was like, wow, I would never name anybody in this name. <laughs> her, huh? Okay, uh, but we see that it's so beautiful to have someone, uh, not to divert uh, from a passage, but it is beautiful to see Aaron and her comes along. That uh, when, you know, sometimes we pray and pray and we get tired. We get tired of like, Lord, Lord, what are you doing? What is happening in my life? But it's so beautiful to see uh, Aaron and her comes and lift. Moses hands up, be with him, pray with him, support each other. And TSC family, I always love about that. We always pray for each other. We lift up each other. It's so beautiful things to see how God coming along as the children of God fighting these battles. We praying last week, Pastor Sean prayed about sicknesses. He also prayed for the people who are prodigal sons or prodigal kids, whoever they are, coming together. So if you want to win these battles, this is not something new, but if you want to win these battles in our life, against the spiritual forces, against the spiritual, the battle with our minds, with our culture, with this world, or with our own, within ourselves, with the flesh, we need to come to the Lord and lift up our hands and plead and ask the Lord to lead this fight, this battle as Moses did. And also surrounding ourselves and coming together as people of God as people of God and lifting each other up and praying that God would bring the victory. Uh, and the verse 9, here is the, here is the uh, twist, or here is the twist in a story. Here is, we see the Moses saying in the verse 9, we see. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go and out and fight with Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God. In my hand. Here we see another thing. Not only prayers. If you win the battles. We see that Moses is standing with the staff of of God in his hand. The staff. That represent the power and presence of God in the battle. It shows who is fighting the battle. It's Yahweh who is fighting the battle. Moses goes up on the hill and holds the staff. So when they're fighting, when they look at the staff, it's not Joshua who's fighting. It is not as children of God we are fighting. It is God who is fighting the battle for us. 
It reminds that who, what God has done, the staff reminds us, the wonder-working staff that led the people out of the Egypt, who brought chaos in the nation, the, the staff that parted the sea, the staff that brought water to the rock, the staff that gives hope and courage to fight the battle. You know, in the David uh, singing in Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and the staff, thy comfort me. The staff of God, which is the presence and presence of powers of God. So the answer, actually, the answer to them, you know, answer to the Israelites questioning. In the verse 17, if you go back on the chapter 17 and the verse 7, we see that, is the Lord among us? That's their question. They were questioning the Moses, saying that even is the Lord is among us. And the answer to that is, yes, he is among us, the staff that led. That's why Moses says that I'm standing uh, with the stand, I'm standing with the staff of God. That's why Moses recognized it's a God who brought them the victory. It's the power and presence of God that brought them the victory. That's why in verse 15, the Moses built an altar and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner. He's going to give victory. So he gets the glory. It is the God. It's not Joshua, the people who have fought. It's not us as children of God fighting the war. It's God who's fighting behind us. He's always with us. He's always fighting for us. He's not against us. So any battle as the children of God, we are going through with, the, with any kind of situation, whatever, it's a personal, external, it's your family or anything, whatever the battles we are going through as the children of God, we know that the staff, the God that comforts us, the staff, the presence of God is with us. He is with us. He is fighting the battle. We have beautifully sung so many songs today about the victory, about how he walks through us the fire, even through the shadows. He is our with us, and we know that is the truth. Let's claim that truth to our lives. Let's live out the tr in the truth. Let the not devil manipulate us or uh, divert us from the real truth, who we are as the children of God. So let's fight, let's walk in this, the truth that our, uh, that our, the staff of God is with us. So, so this is, how I want to conclude. If you have any questions, if you ever questioned, is the Lord among us? Is God with us? Here is the answer. Yes, he is among us. He is with us. Do you know how? 2,000 years ago, God incarnated into flesh, fought our every battle, broke every chain, every bondage, every weakness. If you look to the cross on that hill, we will find power, his presence, his forgiveness, his strength, his peace, his righteousness, and his victory. Amen. In John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the evil. So let us stop fighting the battles of our own and find ourselves weary. But through prayer, bring our battles to the cross where we find the mercy and grace and the victory. Let us raise a Lord's banner and say that this is God is with us. Let us bring our battles to God. Bring glory to God alone. So let's, as a children of God, today I would like to encourage you and remind you again what are your battles? 
What is it? Everybody as a children of God, we do. An enemy is trying to destroy us. Like Amalekites come, came, how they came to destroy the Israelites. And they find them. I don't think so. They were, they were ready to find the battle. But they were probably, they never been in a battle. For many years, they found themselves afraid. But we see that. He's, Moses said that I am going up to the hill with that staff. I'm going. We are going to fight this battle with God. The people can see that staff who led them through the Red Sea, who led them through their, uh, all the problems, the desert. So they know that it's God who's fighting. So we know who is our victory. We know who is our Lord. So let's rest on that who we are as a children. The rest on that cross, come to that cross, depend on him so that we glorify God. So let, let, I want to conclude with this. Let our battles bring glory to God. Glory to God alone. Let us join in establishing his kingdom on earth. Even though we have enemy attacking us, but let's join with Jesus as Pastor Sean is going through Acts. Joining Jesus with Jesus, fighting the battles, establishing his kingdom, establishing his truth by his power, by the Holy Spirit. Filled up with our Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and power. Let's go forward. Let's join Jesus, establishing his kingdom on his earth. We can, uh, music team can come up. So that we can receive crown of life. You know, in the Bible, we see that blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trail. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's all, as the children of God, let's fight this battle, not alone, knowing that Christ is with us, with our culture, with our own personal flesh, or with any dark forces, or even with our battle with our mind, that we'll find who we are as the children of God. Let me close with these verses here. Deuteronomies 3, 23 and 4. He shall say, hear Israel. He shall say, hear Trinity Alliance Church. He shall say, followers of Christ, today you are going into battle against your enemy. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being the one who goes before us. Thank you for the, being the one that's behind us. Thank you for being our shield, our defender, our strong tower, our mighty fortress. Thank you that we have uh, an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, sitting next to you, praying for us, interceding for us. Thank you that we have brothers and sisters that will come alongside, just like Shalem said, and, and hold our hands up in prayer. Father, uh, you provide in so many ways. Today, let us not miss out on what you're doing. Keep us strong in the fight, but keep our faith and our eyes focused on you, because you are the one that allows us to get through the, every battle. Thank you, Jesus. Bless, bless us, people. Bless us, my brothers and sisters, and bring us back together. In Jesus' name, amen. We have prayer up here. If you need prayer, please come on up. I'm going to continue pray, uh, playing and worshiping. For those that need to come up and pray, maybe there's a battle that you're facing right now that you need prayer for. There's people here to pray with you and to cover you in that prayer. Just like Aaron and her, 
They come alongside each other and lift each other up in prayer. Amen.